want to thank everyone for attending uh, this afternoon. Uh, hi, my name is Alex Staff. I'm the Director of Technology Policy at the Progressive Policy Institute. Uh, the Progressive Policy Institute is a moderate center-left think tank based in Washington, D.C. Our mission is to create radically pragmatic ideas for moving America beyond ideological and partisan deadlock. Uh, today for our event, we're going to be talking about uh, tax policy. And so we have uh, our esteemed guest today, Senator Bob Kerry, who was the 35th governor of Nebraska from 1983 to 1987. And he was the United States Senator from Nebraska from 1989 to 2001. Uh, he was also the president of the New School from 2001 to 2011. Uh, and he is now a managing director at Allen and Company. Uh, we also today have Paul Weinstein Jr. who is a senior fellow at the Progressive Policy Institute and the director of the Masters in Public Management program at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, Mr. Weinstein, has taught at Johns Hopkins University since 2003, and his areas of research include fiscal policy, higher education, transportation, and government management. Thank you guys for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks. Nice to be uh, with you. Great, and uh, so just for our audience to know, we'll have Q&A at the end, so you can use the Q&A function in Zoom to ask questions, and I'll moderate those after the discussion is over. We're aiming to have about a 30-minute discussion today about tax policy, um, and so we have kind of dual impetus for this event one being that obviously today is tax day the the weird july 15th deadline um this year given the pandemic and then also paul has written a new forthcoming paper for the progressive policy institute titled return free filing won't fix what's wrong with america's tax system um so i think that's a good way to sort of kick us off so paul for our audience what is return free filing well, return-free filing has, has been around for a, a while. It's, it's uh, fairly popular in Europe. Uh, essentially, the, the basic principle behind it is that the uh, government actually uh, uh, estimates your taxes in some way, shape, or form for you in, in the hope of limiting uh, the taxpayer having to actually do the filing. So in some countries, they have a, a pre-populated system where effectively uh, governments come in and and uh, they uh, pre-populate the information for you uh, and that's used in a number of places in Europe. Uh, the other systems are similar to what we see in, in Great Britain or the United Kingdom. Uh, they have a called a, a, a PAY, P-A-Y-E system that was, is, is based more on withholding um, which was established after uh, World War II uh, when people were actually stayed in their job for most of their lives and move around. So the system back then worked fairly well. And then they have a lot of reconciliation at the end of the year through things like self-assessment, which we can talk about later. Gotcha, great. Senator Kerry, uh, I know that California and, and the UK, like Paul just mentioned, have tried return-free filing in various forms over the years. Um, how has that experience worked out for them? Well, California didn't work out very well at all. Uh, and look, I should insert here that uh, back in the 90s, uh, Senator Rob Portman and I uh, co-chaired a commission that examined the Internal Revenue Service. And among the things we looked at was this free filing system. And um, uh, uh, the, the, the problem uh, with it is it doesn't really solve, I don't think, solve the problem that it shows it's gonna get done. It, it doesn't necessarily, um, help that low income filer. It, it increases the power of the federal government. It increases mm -hmm. the concentration of the authority of the Internal Revenue Service. Personally, I think it's gonna create both national security as well as civil liberties uh, uh, problems if you were to uh, follow through and do it. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, as I said, it doesn't really, there's, there's a lot better ways to solve the problem for low income 
uh, Americans who are uh, having to file a tax return. The, the simplest one is to um, increase the number of low-income people that don't pay any tax at all. Right. Uh, or to establish a lower rate for, for them to pay. There's a lot better ways to remove, and I, I favor doing that. It's, it's, and it certainly doesn't do anything about the, the, the number of people who can hire at $1,000 an hour tax lawyers to help them not have to pay taxes at all, who have no interest in voluntarily complying with the tax code. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't cover that gap between the people who are paying and the people who are doing everything in their power to avoid having to pay. And I should also add, because uh, um, Senator Kennedy mentioned his very important commission, I, I served as senior advisor to the uh, Simpson-Bowles Commission, uh, the Fiscal Commission, which was back in 2011, uh, which was created by the Obama administration to work on balancing the deficit. And, and we did a major tax reform piece of that. And we did, we also looked at the idea of return-free filing and had been supported by a number of, of folks up on the Hill. And and several of those were part, uh, well, part of our commission. And, and we too rejected it basically because ultimately we were trying to both uh, simplify the tax code and raise some revenue and, and, and return-free filing doesn't really help you achieve that. I think the, the people who've developed it are well-intentioned. I know a number of them, Austin Goolsby, I've worked with many times over the years. You know, I think it's a very well-intentioned proposal, but it, it just doesn't really uh, work. And I think in today's economy, as we've learned from the experience in Great Britain, where they've had to increase uh, the so-called self-assessments, which, which is almost like basically having to file your taxes, right? <laughs> in Britain, you know, people get their um, estimated uh, tax payment and their return and they can fill it out. But the problem is the, the British government has discovered that they don't have the right information in more and more cases. And that's been driven by the fact that more people are working for different companies, they move, you know, they're more mobile, you have two income earner families, so you have two different incomes feeding into the, into uh, one household. You also have situations where more and more people are self-employed, or they're entrepreneurs, and that makes this much more difficult. When you had a, a system where people were uh, working for one company and withholding was very simple, uh, and there was, you know, and essentially that was your third party reporting, which confirmed the facts. Uh, it, it worked better, but over time we've seen that this has kind of shifted and you really do need that taxpayer involvement to get the most accurate data. Yeah, that's a great point. And Senator Kerry, I, I, I know that you've written on this topic many times before, and you've mentioned the importance of uh, having the taxpayer be involved in the tax filing process. Can you talk more about why that's important and what that does um, for the country? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the people that <clears throat> uh, are much more likely to put pressure on Congress, both to simplify the tax code, but also make it more progressive, are the people that are doing their own tax returns, uh, because they're experiencing it real time. And, to, <clears throat> you know, to, to, to reinforce what Paul said, I mean, to make uh, the system that Austin and other really good people are proposing work, we have to give the government more information. Uh, right. And... Uh, it puts yourself, puts, I think it's likely to reduce the number of people who are voluntarily compliant because they go, they're going to disagree with the conclusion the government has reached. And they're going to be unwilling to give the government even more information than they're current, currently collecting. So uh, I just, I think the evidence, it's one of those things that, that looks like it should work, uh, but it doesn't. And, and most importantly, it doesn't solve this big problem of, of you know, the regulatory friction that attaches to a low, a low wage or low income individual that's having to file a tax return. The best way to solve that problem is to increase the number of, of, of uh, low income, low wage people that aren't paying any taxes at all. But to make our system 
more progressive to make the tax system simpler, I think it, 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 it's really powerful to get more of our citizens participating. Uh, and I also think because the taxes tend to be your largest payment every year, uh, it, it, it contributes to better financial planning on the part of the individual. I know that's worked that way with my own children, but it also works that way for, it seems to me, I've seen surveys that, that seem to indicate that that's the case. So um, I, I just think practically uh, it, it will not work. It doesn't solve the big problem that we want to solve. And in some ways uh, could make matters worse, as I said, particularly in the privacy issue and on, on national security uh, uh, issue and, and uh, in other matters that I worry about when you say we're going to give the government more power over, over people's lives. Yeah. I would love you to talk. Oh, yeah, please do my ball. One thing about Senator Kerry's remarks, I, which I totally agree with, you know, the really, uh, there are a lot of low-income taxpayers who shouldn't be on the rolls, who shouldn't be paying taxes. And if we did that, that would make a huge difference. You know, if we simplify the EITC, you know, you, you hear a lot from uh, some on the other side who complain the EITC is fraught with, uh, you know, inaccuracies and people are, are cheating it. That's not really the case if you look at it. Uh, most of the issues of the EITC are, are from complexity. If we actually work to sort of simplify the EITC as well and, and made it uh, easier for people to access that, then that too would, would help so much and, and, and relieve. You know, PPI has been uh, was at the forefront of pushing both expansions of the, of the earned income tax credit that both President Clinton and President Obama did, and we can, and we can do more. And the fact is that there's so much more we can also do to simplify the tax code. We could look at the 1.6 trillion in tax expenditures that we have out there, use that to take some of the people at the lower levels off of, off the tax rolls and also make the tax code more progressive. And, you know, simplifying the tax code that way would actually reduce the paperwork and time burdens for, for people to a great extent, much, much more so than, than um, return free filing. In fact, Return-free filing kind of allows our elected officials to leave the current poorly designed system in place because it, assuming it would work, and I, I don't, and I don't, I don't assume that, but let's assume it did work, uh, you know, then basically everyone could just simply, you know, leave all these deductions and exemptions and, and, and things that are, that are making the tax code so confusing and unfair to a lot of other people. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great yeah. kind of, uh, analysis of the actual root of the problem and what might actually go towards solving it. Um, but just for a minute, I want to kind of loop back to what Senator Kerry was saying about um, privacy issues. This is kind of near and dear to my heart since I mentioned I'm, I work in tech policy mostly. Um, and right now a big debate um, worldwide is uh, data privacy issues. And so what are our rights? In Europe, they're having this conversation with GDPR. In the U.S., California passed a state-level privacy law uh, regarding data privacy. There's a continuous discussion of passing a federal privacy law. And so um, I think people often think about the data that's involved with the IRS and the back and forth. So Senator Kerry, if you could just talk more about um, what extra information or privacy risks there might be in, in a return-free filing system and how should the average citizen think about data and well, uh, the it, tax system? Yeah, right. So if the government is calculating your income tax, uh, they need to be certain that they've got all your income. So right. they're going to say, okay, I've got your W-2s, but I'll bet you've got other income besides that. Have you got any 1090s? Yeah, I've got some 10. I'll bet you've got more income than that. Uh, and they'll begin to say, well, uh, I, 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 need to have, I need to have anything that you've earned on the weekends. I need to find out if uh, you're, you're, maybe you had a real estate transaction where you generated income you didn't report it. So of a sudden, 
not, not in an audit form. They have to affirmatively go out and collect more information and they've already been hacked. So do I want to give them more information and put at risk the possibility that even more my, 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 and I would say no. And the other thing I, that we've not talked about that I think is really important too, is that for most uh, of low income people, they don't pay any income tax. Their biggest problem is their biggest tax is the payroll tax. And uh, both through the EITC and other efforts, I think we have to, we have to look at that problem because I'm subsidizing upper income people to buy health insurance more than I subsidize people that are getting paid uh, that don't have any income. Likewise with housing. Right. Um, so uh, part, of the, part of the challenge for, for people on the left is they've got to face honestly that there's disproportionate impact on lower income people that they say they're trying to help as a consequence of what the tax code does for people buying employer-based health insurance as well as housing. So there are, some of these things are very uncomfortable for uh, people on the left to deal with. So I, I just, but, but to your, your primary point about privacy, I think it's a real issue. Uh, uh, I would be very uncomfortable asserting to anybody that they don't have to worry about privacy. And I for, for sure wouldn't want to assert that there's not any national security concerns by giving the federal government authority to collect even more information than they've got on, about the American people than they already have. Well, I'm glad you brought up the tax expenditures point because I think that's really overlooked oftentimes. It's these subsidies for middle class and upper class people that are often dwarf sub, um, programs that kind of help lower income people. And that's kind of what the Progressive Policy Institute's all about is how can we maximize public policy impact that look, help. Um, when, when, look, yeah. Yeah, this is going to just get my mind a slippery soap of talking too much, <laughs> but as, well as, as well as getting more detail than you need. But when Congress fixed Social Security in 1983, and I, I know that feels like you know uh, eons ago. Uh, they did it after discovering that the baby boomers weren't having as many children as their parents thought they were going to have, and all of a sudden, uh, Social Security wasn't going to be able to pay the checks. How did they fix it? They fixed it by raising the taxes on people who are wage-paying uh, uh, individuals, raising it far beyond what was necessary uh, to, to keep the pay-as-you-go system. We 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 created what we we'll call a trust fund. That's not a trust fund. Mm -hmm. uh, what it really is, is a way to mask the fact that for a long time, and even now, people get paid by the hour, have to shoulder a disproportionate burden of deficit reduction and the, and the overall cost of the government. So uh, it, there, are, there are a number of things once you, you say, well, I'm gonna do something to really help low-income people make their taxes simpler. Uh, once you open that up, uh, there are a number of issues there that could get very, very uncomfortable for people on the left. But if we're going to be honest and try to have a positive impact through that honesty, I think we have to face those things. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, raising taxes on high income earners is a really direct way to get towards revenue generation. Um, and these other kind of indirect methods probably don't seem to match up against. And I want to pivot to Paul right. because I think this is related to Senator Kerry's remarks. A big part of your paper, Paul, is talking about the tax gap. So if one, first, you could define the tax gap and then talk about how different countries around the world and their tax filing systems, how that interacts with how much revenue they collect via their tax systems. Well, right. Uh, the tax gap is basically uh, how much the uh, is estimated that people actually owe and how much versus how much the government actually collects. And, and the difference between what the what people actually owe and we collect is, is the tax gap. In the U.S., uh, it's been estimated and, and you have to sort of take, you know, these are tricky estimates and and hard to figure out, but but the you know, most recent number we have is it's about five hundred uh, uh, billion dollars a year. So obviously, if you could close that, that would be great. 
and elected officials have been talking that for a long time, and it's not so easy to actually close it. Uh, the two most effective ways uh, are actually simplifying the tax code, right? Getting rid of a lot of the sort of the the one point six trillion in, in tax expenditures we talked about, or and then the other way is is quite honestly is hiring more. Uh, people at the IRS, which isn't always a popular thing. And so if you really want to close it, you could close some of it by doing that. Those two things, both of which are challenging. The tax gap is, is, is actually made up of, of two functions. One is, uh, is under-reporting people. In fact, that's the biggest part of the tax gap is people who under-report their income. It's about 80% according to some estimates. Uh, and so therefore, if you're under-reporting your, your income, your tax liability goes down. And about 20% is, is actual, you know, people are not actually paying their taxes or they're, they're not paying all of it uh, for a variety of reasons. That's a smaller amount. The, um, one of the interesting things we looked at in this paper was, uh, we looked at uh, 12 of the 36 countries that um, have a, a form of free file, sorry, return filing uh, uh, tax reform systems, I'm sorry, tax systems, and we compared it to uh, some numbers that were done in an article um, based on OEC data in the Journal of Economics and Political, uh, Political Economy. And uh, what we actually found is that the tax evasion level for countries that have re uh, return-free file systems is actually higher than, than the U.S. with its, uh, its self-filing system uh, by quite a bit. Now, on the other hand, you might say, like, well, how's that possible, 500 uh, billion dollar tax gap in the U.S. Well, it's a measure of GDP. Obviously, you have to measure this as GDP. It's the only way we can look across countries. So, but it's still, nevertheless, and it, you know, I don't want to make any kind of claims of causation or anything like that. There's lots of different factors that go into why certain countries might have higher levels of tax gap uh, as percentage of GDP, uh, including uh, simplicity, the type of tax code, uh, the there are um, behavioral economic trends involved here. But it is nevertheless interesting to note that, that there is this sort of discrepancy and that the U.S. actually comes out pretty well with its more of its, its I don't want to say voluntary system, it's not voluntary, but it's, its self-filing type system. Gotcha. That's great. I know, uh, one, and following up again one, on one other point that Senator Kerry made, Paul, and I, I really enjoyed this part of your paper, um, which I think everyone is very excited to read when it comes out. One of the most compelling points to me was talking about the dynamic of how moving from our current voluntary system to a return free filing system changes the presumption of who, who has a burden of proof in, in terms of proving what taxes are owed. And that goes to Senator Kerry's point about data and privacy yeah. and who's asking for what information. So could you just talk more about like explaining that exact dynamic and how that would change? Right. So, so under our current system, essentially it, it's a, it, it, you're essentially if you are providing the information and then the IRS disagrees with you, they have to prove it, right? So that's an under our current sort of self-filing system. Uh, the, in, in Europe, where a lot of these uh, return-free file systems are in place, it's, it's reverse, right? So the government is essentially saying, this is what you owe, and if you disagree, you have to prove that we're wrong. So having the presumption, I mean, no one likes to be audited. No <laughs> one wants to have to fight with the IRS, and I'm not suggesting that it's an easy thing. But to have that, that little bit of the presumption with you, the taxpayer, when you're actually filing, uh, it is, a, is an advantage for the taxpayer uh, in dealing with the IRS. And you lose that somewhat when you're going the other way. I'd like to say one other thing, too, and this kind of gets to some of the points that Senator Kerry was making as well. 
most of the proposals in the United States for return free filing system are, are partial. That is, you get to choose whether you want to participate in the return free filing system or not. They don't do that uh, in, in most countries in, 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 who actually have return free filing systems. That essentially creates like a, 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 a a two-stage uh, two or two, two different systems for two, two different levels of income. If you're lower income, you're going to tend to, you know, uh, default into the RFF, the return-free filing system. If you're wealthier or, and you itemize your deductions, and, and those are the people most likely who are contributing to the tax gap, you're going to opt out and still pay money to, to an expensive accountant or tax lawyer because you're trying to, to pay as little taxes as possible which, which means basically the return-free system doesn't do anything, you know, for the tax gap at all uh, in the U.S. because essentially the, the folks who are actually contributing to the tax gap are all going to opt out of the system anyway. So uh, it's not really one of the strong points or strong arguments for a return file system. Yeah, I also think one of the most important things for people who are trying to figure this all out is to uh, answer the question right at the beginning, what problem are you trying to solve? Because if you don't know what problem you're trying to solve, it's likely that you can make things worse. So for openers, we have a very efficient tax collection system. Uh, it's the most efficient in the world. I don't know what it is today, but in the 90s when we, when we looked at it, it was less than 1% of total revenue uh, brought in. So it's a very efficient system. And the voluntary uh, uh, portion of that, I mean, that's that number, I don't even know what it is today, but that number is really important. Voluntary compliance is a big part of what we've got. If, if that number is going down, uh, it's a problem. And it's probably caused uh, by the people saying, well, I'm not sure the thing is fair. And it may be because we haven't hired enough people to go out and do audits. It may be because the system, the, the income tax isn't sufficiently progressive. And the final thing I say is if you're genuinely trying to help that low wage, uh, uh, low salaried individual, uh, and, and particularly not just to um, make certain that you can make the case that our tax system is fair, but also to make certain that there's an opportunity for people to move up and out of that lower income category. The, the best and smartest way of doing that is to increase the number of people that, that, are, that don't have to pay any taxes at all, for, uh, probably by raising taxes on upper income people uh, or by looking for ways to, to make our tax system even more efficient by reducing the amount of deductions that are always there. I mean, every, every, all of us that were elected politicians, we love to talk about tax simplification, and then we'll pass tax legislation that makes it even more complicated than it was before. So, because it's always easy to, to say, I'm gonna give you a tax break, as opposed to saying, I'm just gonna give you the money that's necessary for you to be able to buy health insurance or go to college. Because uh, then I gotta appropriate it. Then I gotta vote on it. Then I gotta pay for it. Whereas with a tax system, it's easy to pretend like you're not paying for it. Yeah, and I, I want to underscore that too. And the fact is that, you know, the, the whole idea that what problem are we fixing? So proponents of return for you file say, well, make, it will make things simpler. Well, it won't actually simplify the tax code. It will probably create more incentives to, to muck up the tax code. It, um, it's going to save people time. Well, we know that by the, the growing complexity of, of, of the tax code that exists in the United States. We know the fact like more mobile workforce and all the things I've mentioned prior, people are going to have to do some sort of a self-assessment to try to make this type of system work. And so it's not really going to, in the end, save people any more time than, 
they, they, they already are. I think one of your, one of the people asked a, a question and said, uh, um, on the, in the chat, you know, I already get a 1099 and a W2, you know, what, I think that question was more about the, you know, what kind of data does the government have? But, but to me, what that says is, well, then you have a fairly simple tax return to do, and it probably isn't going to take you much time. And there's really not much more the government's going to do to make that less uh, um, time costly for you. You should just be able to, to fill it out. And we can make that simpler for even more people without going to a return-free file system. And, uh, and it's also not going to increase government revenues. There's, there's no evidence of that either. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, one, uh, one study that uh, I looked at made the point that people who uh, they're going to get a tax return filled out from the government. It says they owe this much. They may realize, well, actually, I, I owe more, but I'm not going to say anything, right? Right. Why, why should you? Uh, in fact, it you know you're just going to make your life more complicated. You're going to get involved in a whole big tussle. Uh, so it, it really doesn't fix the problems that it's meant to fix, and. All it really does is allow us to sort of skip the hard work of doing the, the real things that we need to do to, to fix our tax system. And that is cleaning up the tax code and, and making yeah. the system more progressive and shifting the tax burden away from low income families, as Senator Kerry has pointed out, and moving that, that up, the, up the scale of income. Yeah, I also should say that you know, it's obvious for anybody that you know, is on social any sort of social media platform at all that there's an there's an abundance today of conspiracies that are rolling around uh, um, our country and uh, what uh, if if a government calculates your tax uh, i promise you people are going to be suspicious that they're calculating the tax as possible as as high as possible because they want the money uh, you're giving them an incentive to raise the amount of money that you owe rather than you declaring what you owe. And as, as Paul said, the burden is on them to prove that you're wrong, uh, as opposed to now shifting the burden to prove that the government says, okay, you owe $10,000. You say, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Uh, and you prove it, You prove that we're wrong. And so I think you, it, it will feed conspiracies because it appears, whether it isn't, whether it's true or not, almost doesn't matter when you have a conspiracy, it appears you're giving the government an incentive to collect more money. Right. I think that's a, that's a great point. And as, I, as, as I'm hearing this back and forth in this great discussion, one of the things I think about as a policy uh, person who works at a think tank is when I'm considering a new policy or policy change, I try to look in, out in the world and see, has this been tried before? What's the institutional context, um, cultural context where this policy has been tried? Did it work? Did it not work? What Would it fit in the U.S. model? And so I think many people aren't aware, unless you live in California, that California tried this experiment with, with return pre-filing. And so Paul, I know your paper goes into this in a bit more detail. We've mentioned it, kind of alluding to it earlier, but if you can go into more detail just about how that experience went and what California decided to do. Sorry, uh, so California uh, did a a, uh, uh, a test case, a pilot case. I think Senator Kerry sort of briefly talked about it, and I think I believe it ran for over three years. And and what 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 was sort of striking about it was the participation rates were were so low. Uh, it just was not something that was taken up by people. People had the option of joining in or not. And essentially, um, uh, there, was a, there were slight increases, but basically the participation rate was, I think, in very low digits. I don't remember off the top of my head right now. I'd have to go back to my paper, but it was very, very low. 
and uh, it, it proved not to be popular enough to sort of continue. And so uh, I think that kind of speaks to uh, probably what the take-up rate, well, I would guess actually the take-up rate would be even less, <laughs> quite honestly, throughout the rest of the country. I think Californians are, will probably be one of the more easily targeted populations for, for this. Um, but, you know, try to do this in some other states, I think, uh, I think the response rate would probably be fairly, fairly low. And, and so in that sense, it just really didn't, didn't work and it wasn't worthwhile doing. Uh, it's also not clear like what the cost was of doing this and, and other factors too, which you have to, to take into account. I think the, the other issue, quite honestly, is we, if, we ever, you know, if we actually did move towards this, well, how would we actually create this? I, you know, I think government does things, actually does do good things in many different areas, but you know, doing this kind of approach, the government is going to have to run up relying on, on others to develop the software and the information and all these other things. This is a, a, a big task. Uh, they'll, they'll probably pay, you know, some of the companies or try to pay some of the companies that are currently out there, you know, with their software and other things. And um, that's going to be costly and expensive and cumbersome. And, and I'm not sure the, 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 well, I'm pretty sure the squeeze is not, you know, the juice is not worth the squeeze in that case. Well, that's a, that's a very good point. Again, uh, Senator Portman and I, when we did our, our commission, among the things that we wrote in there was providing incentives uh, for the IRS to go from paper filing to electronic filing, uh, and it and it and some people want to actually bring that electronic filing and have the government do all that. But uh, I personally think it's a, a terrible mistake. The private sector created lots of really good options uh, uh, in the electronic filing space that I just can't imagine the government's going to be able to do comparably. So uh, if, I I don't know. Again, I don't know what the numbers were, but I think we've gone to over ninety percent electronic filing today. Uh, which by itself is a substantial accomplishment on the part, not just of the IRS, but the IRS in partnership with the private sector. That's a great point. And I think we've had a, a wonderful discussion here today so far. So uh, I, I'm going to ask you both the same question in closing, kind of sum, sum things up for our audience and give them one takeaway from our conversation today. And so Paul ask you first and then Senator Kerry can answer the same question. So Paul, what's the biggest problem with our tax system today and what's the best solution to tackling that specific problem that would actually make a difference? Wow, the biggest problem in our tax system. I, I guess I would identify at least two and one is that it's, it's, well, I would identify three. One, it doesn't bring in enough revenue. We need more revenue and sorry to folks who want to disagree with that. Our revenue as a percentage of GDP is, is going to be probably historically low this year and was already incredibly low because of the tax cuts. Uh, if you want to balance the budget, you're going to have to get closer to about 20% of GDP. So that's what it was when, when uh, Senator Kerry was there in the Senate and in the 90s when I was working for President Clinton. That's, you know, that's what you have to do. Uh, secondly, it's not progressive enough. We have a code that's just unfair to people, uh, particularly at the lower end. As Senator Kerry mentioned, the, the payroll tax is for most low-income people their biggest expenditure. It's a flat tax essentially, and it's a very burdensome, unprogressive tax. And third, I would say we have a code that's incredibly complicated. Uh, it's hard to understand. You know, I do taxes, and I find it incredibly hard to understand when I do my taxes. <laughs> so I can imagine, um, and that we need to fix too. But the good news is that you could, if it's a, it's a political tough fight, but you know, you can fix those three things and, and they can actually all work together. You can raise revenue, you can uh, make the codes more streamlined and simpler, 
and you can make it more progressive. We did that in the Simpson Bowles Commission. There are lots of other plans out there that take different approaches that also get there. So it's not without hope. There is hope to fix this. We just have to find the political will to, to do it. Thank you, Senator Kerry. Yeah, I agree with what Paul said. I mean, I, I, I think, first of all, I think it, it is a very efficient system. Don't underestimate the importance of that. It's, it's, it's uh, how efficient it is, especially with electronic filing. Um, uh, we, we don't have failure on our hands. Um, so um, in addition to what Paul has said, and I, I mean, I, I, look, I think there's an urgency to make the tax system uh, simpler, but a lot more progressive than it currently is. Because the burden is being borne uh, by low and moderate income people far more than necessary. Because uh, it's not like they, 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 they end of the day and say, oh, I got a bunch of cash. I don't know what to do with it. You still have a situation where 40% of households, if they get an unexpected bill of $500, have to sell something to pay for it. Uh, and the other thing I'd say is you, 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 nobody, nobody likes, you know, who likes paying taxes? Uh, but solving the, the, the problem, the gap, is only going to get solved, in my view, by making certain that IRS has the resources necessary to do those audits. And oftentimes what Congress does is they'll make the tax system more complicated while they're talking about making it simpler. And then they cut the IRS budget, making it difficult for IRS to actually do what they say they want the IRS to do. So you got to make certain the IRS has the resources to do those audits and that they are doing those audits. So the upper income people that can hire lawyers for $1,000 an hour are sitting there saying, we better be careful because if we get audited, we might go to jail. Well, Paul Ryan promised me that I could do my taxes on a, on a, on a postcard after the last round of tax reform. And for some reason that didn't, that didn't come through. So I think we actually need well, to make just, something like that happen. You're gonna have to get a, buddy, have you seen the really big postcards I have up in Minnesota? So maybe just that's a much bigger postcard. <laughs> yeah, yeah different postcards postcard. up there. <laughs> exactly, all right. Well, well, thank you gentlemen for your time. I really appreciate um, you educating our audience today and for sharing your thoughts. And so, um, and thank you to our audience for being here um, okay. and discussing. And again, this will be recorded. This was recorded and will be posted as a podcast later. So. Um, thank you all and have a nice day. Thank okay. you. Bye.